Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, the Joker's Polarizing Reviews. Fantasy shows come to streaming. And we talk pop culture's university ties. All this and more as we go back to school. And once again, delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, wishing everyone out there a truly a tremendous week as we head into September and the fall season. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our demolition derby driver of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out everything that's going on today at popculturecosmos.com. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Great to have you back on another week for pop culture. You know, man, just wrecking one day at a time, as my fellow demolition drivers like to say. Absolutely. And the reason why we're talking about demolition derbies is if you get a chance out there, there's a game that just came out. It's called Wreckfest. It's available on consoles and PC format. And I'll tell you what, I got a chance to go ahead and play it for quite some time. I'm going to go ahead and share my thoughts on the game in a review of Wreckfest coming up later in the program. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about a couple of fantasy shows coming to the world of streaming in Carnival Row that just came out on Amazon Prime and Dark Crystal, The Age of Resistance that just landed on Netflix. We're going to talk about those shows and could this lead to a, maybe a resurgence of fantasy shows coming to streaming platforms and maybe even movies as well. Plus, the Joker has already screened to several critics out there. And there was already some reviews out in the wilderness when it comes to the Joker is concerned. And we're going to talk about some of the polarizing reviews, some great, some not so great with the Joker that's coming out early next month. Plus, we're going to continue our countdown of the top 200 video games of all time. We're going to hit up on 151 to 160, and there's some great titles there. And last but not least, we're going to close out the show with some teaching options by some very interesting pop culture celebrities. And we're going to ask ourselves, is it time to go back to school? All this and more on another great episode right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos but it all starts off with the very uh, with a controversy, I should say. Uh, Dragon Ball Z. Some of the voice artists were caught on how should I say a hot mic? I think that's probably what they call it now these days. The hot mic, as far as some recordings that were leaked out with several, I guess, uh, uh, offensive, uh, homophobic, and some other very unfortunate wording and slurring in those recordings that are out there. So I got to get your thoughts, man. This was done not just by one individual, but this was done by, I believe, two, three, even four individuals that were there as far as some of the main characters that are part of the voice cast of the Dragon Ball Z series. So I want to ask you, my friend, I know you've been very vocal about it over, over the course of social media over the past few days, and I know a lot of people have as well on one side or the other, but I got to hear your thoughts, man, on what's going on with Dragon Ball Z and possibly the future of its voice cast after the unfortunate recordings have been released. Okay, so what happened was there was a someone put together a reel of a bunch of hot takes, and this is a lot of this stuff. From what I understand, it has took place ten years ago because it's all if you listen to it, it's all lines from the original Dragon Ball Z sagas. You know, it's a uh, stuff from the Cell Saga, stuff from the Frieza Saga, stuff from the Android Saga. So this was a long, long time ago, but 
it surfaced and I guess the Japanese voice actors were were throwing a fit even though like a lot of the have you ever seen a Japanese cut of Dragon Ball they swear so much it's ridiculous so I guess it it, it leaked out on the internet someone leaked it caused a lot of controversy at the heart of this is Sean Chamel, which does the voice of Goku Christopher Sabat which does the voice of Piccolo and Vegeta and then there's whoever does Yamcha and Krillin and a couple other people. You can listen to the, to the real, I guess you just put it in Google and it should pop up pretty easy. But yeah, so I, I don't know, man, like this, this stuff popped up. Surprisingly, it's not causing as much controversy as like the, remember the Vic Mignola thing, the guy that did voice from full metal alchemist. And, yeah, it, and that was, there was some sexual harassment uh, issues there attached to that. Yeah. But I, I just, I haven't seen, this this doesn't feel as controversial to me. I haven't seen a lot of articles up about it. Like it, it, you Google it, and it took like three things down on Google to find what everyone was talking about. But you know, it's just it's one of those things, man. Like I, you might disagree with me on this, but I, I feel like if you're if you're in the booth, you know, you you're allowed to to let loose every once in a while just to to joke around. I guess they how would they have known, you know, that this stuff was being recorded? Why would Funimation keep it? That's the big thing, but. So I, I have two questions to you. My first one is, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, they're out there in the wild, and it can't be a good look for Funimation. If I own Funimation, I'm letting them go. I'm letting them all go and see if we can we go ahead and do find a recast because I know there's probably other voice actors out there that could probably fill the role, not quite as well, but still fill the role because this is 2019. We can't go back in time. We can't go back to the 80s or 90s or even 2000s where some of that stuff you would just – in the past, a lot of some people would laugh it off and say, you know what, that's great. Unfortunately, that's not the case. In 2019, you know, this could be a large swing where people could start protesting against Dragon Ball Z. It always comes back down to dollars, man. If there's could be a loss of viewership and a loss of, of, you know, people actually wanting to go ahead and be interested in Dragon Ball Z going forward after what was done, that's an issue and that's a concern. So, for me, I probably have to say it's it's something that should not have been on there in the first place. I don't know why they were going ahead and doing that. Even, like you said, it's a decade old, 2009, 2010. You still got to have a head on your shoulders at that point in time that that's not hunky-dory. So uh, I'm sorry, man. I can't go with you on that one. I do think it's a big deal. I know we, we're usually on the opposite side of the fence on these issues. Sometimes we align. You know, a lot of times we don't. And this is one of those times... And if I'm owning Funimation, you know, the backlash eventually could be too strong and they're just going to have to go ahead and do a recast on it. But you had another question? Well, okay. So just to piggyback off what you said, I, you know, I, I think that firing is a little strong. I would make them apologize and then, you know, do something. Because from like, if you look at like Christopher Sabat, right? Or Sean Schmel, like these guys do a lot of vocal work across the industry and like they have been known to do their incredible people like they've done um what's the where you go visit the kids in the hospital make a wish foundation and they've that's done great like that. that's, they've that's done charity wrong. events but uh, you know unfortunately apologies don't do it for a lot of the 90 percent of the times you say it's you do you do the standard pr you know line by line by line by line and it just doesn't come across well no matter how authentic you're trying to make it these were something that were 10 years old this could be the same case with james gunn are you going to let it slide there is a possibility you could go ahead and, and after a public apology and some type of, you know, reparations or some type of punishment, maybe go ahead and bring them back and, and whatnot. But man, that, to the extent of these recordings is, is, is sometimes it's, you know, it just, I don't know, man. Cause I mean, cause like I said, if we were able to go ahead and James Gunn has his job back, I guess we can go ahead and give a second chance to, to others, but they've got to go ahead and, and try to go ahead and make things right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there should be maybe even beyond an apology, they should do some kind of charity event or some release, some kind well, of special they need to work with the LGBTQ community and yeah, see what yeah. they do to make things right. Well, a lot of yeah, and a lot of like the Dragon Ball fans, like you see at the like the big Comic Con photo when they did the the Kamehameha, world's largest Kamehameha. Like a lot of anime fans are part of the LGBTQT community, so it's just it's I, I don't know. I feel like Dragon Ball is too much of a beloved franchise to like just get rid of these these actors like this especially with the dragon ball z game coming out i'm definitely on the mind that there needs to be an apology put out but this actually leads to my next question how much of this do you think is on the fault of funimation for two reasons 
one reason, why would they keep that real? And two, why wouldn't Funimation nip that in the bud while they were in the studio before it even had a chance to be leaked? I, I, why would they keep this on there? I, I'm just assuming it's for ill purposes. It's for put it out there and at some point in time. But like you said, somebody else got a hold of it and was able to go ahead and release the footage. So I don't know why Fun, Funimation kept it unless it was for some reason or another that was meant for ill purposes. Right, because you're in the studio, right? You're a audio technician or like you have a piece of Funimation management hanging out in there, right? So you have then Sean Chamel, Christopher Savage start saying this this stuff, you know, and then wouldn't you think that they would say, hey, we need to not talk like that. And like it would be their responsibility to get rid of that immediately because it's the same thing like you hire a new employee. Say when you worked at the video game store, if he's taking games out of the cases and putting them on the shelf and throwing the cases away, you're going to obviously have a talk with them about it, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it comes to the point where, and I'll be honest with, with everybody out here, when it comes to anything that we've said that might have been interpreted, even in the slightest, something we might have misspoke or missaid or whatnot, it's just, you know, we want to make sure that we're trying to go ahead and put out a quality product on our own. And when we even think or say something that, might even be close to even approaching something that might, you know, one person might find offensive. We just go ahead and, you know, you tell me or I tell you, hey, let's go ahead and not even put that on the air. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's, I feel like Funimation's more to blame than the voice actors. And I think the voice actors should own up to it and apologize, take responsibility. And again, it's not even anywhere near as bad as what Vic Manola did, but I feel like Funimation kind of set them up for disaster because when you're when you're a, a dude, right, and you're hanging out with your buddies, you're having a good time because these guys are all really good friends. They hang out outside of their voice acting work too. And I, if they're hanging out with buddies, of course, you, there's a chance that you're going to say something you shouldn't. So I think Funimation kind of set them up, though, again, you know, not to make excuses for it, but Funimation sort of set them up for failure by one, both keeping the real and then not telling them like, Hey guys, we can't do, we can't say things like this. Well, I'll just say this. I mean, it's just very disappointing that it even was taken to, you know, that they said those words and they have to own up to that responsibility. Let's put that out right there. I mean, they have to, I mean, they said those words, they got to go ahead and make amends for it. I don't know if there is going to be full hundred percent amends, but they need to go ahead and reach out to the LGBTQ community and, and, apologize and, and do whatever it takes to go ahead and try and make amends there. But Funimation, why they held onto those tapes, but why they didn't publicize it 10 years ago and just say, you know what, this was said, we apologize for this being said, let's move on. Uh, you know, let's just try to make amends right now and then let's move on. So this wouldn't be an issue 10 years down the road, but why are you leaving these in the vault for 10 years for somebody to go ahead? Like you said, an audio engineer may have stumbled on it that wasn't there 10 years, 10 years ago. And, you know, I've got this buddy that goes ahead and, and, you know, has this, that has a site or the streaming service that has the streamer that can go ahead and, and publicize this out. That's not good as well. I mean, the individual that broke this out there, the individual that, that let this escape out into the wilderness. I mean, that person, I don't think is, is related to Funimation. Is that correct? I think it's someone that actually feeded him all that stuff. I'm curious if they're going to do an investigation, but I, I, if he was attached to Funimation in some way, he's not attached to it anymore. But obviously he knew about it somehow. Nick Rakaida is the name of the individual that leaked this out during his live stream. So somehow he must have gotten this, whether it was through him working there or somebody working there getting it to him. I, and somebody must have had to go, go ahead and either go through this for an extensive period of time, you know, because obviously all these uh, things that were said during the course of the live stream and all these, all these clips were not all at the same point in time. So they had to go through an extensive research or were they already gathered already? I mean, it's, the, all this is kind of strange and it really makes for some, uh, you know, something that needs to be investigated further. No, oh, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, I'm, because more than anything, I'm I'm curious about it. Like, did did the someone who used to work there hang on to these clips? I I don't think that Funimation should take any drastic action until this is investigated and we find out. Obviously, you know the guys need to issue an apology and do something for the LGBTQT community because you know it, Dragon Ball now has LGBTQT characters, so it's like it is. You know, they are 
in that realm now. So of, of course, I think they should, you know, reach out to them some way. But like, there should be an investigation before anyone's like fired or or, or anything like that. You know, before anything drastic goes down, this needs to be investigated. Okay, so maybe I was a little harsh on the firing thing, but I, I don't know. I mean, these were in the vault for quite some time. Uh, we did see a lot of people that went ahead and forgave James Gunn for going ahead and, and saying what he did way back when. And look, he's got his job back as far as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And then, you know, we've got a situation now where if these individuals go ahead and try to do what they can to make amends with the LGBTQ community, then you know what? There could be a lot of headway in trying to salvage the best out of a bad situation, maybe keep their jobs going forward. But you're right. Dragon Ball Z has gay characters within the context of the series. Plus, also, there's I'm sure there's probably an extensive community of LGBTQ individuals that follow religiously the saga of Dragon Ball Z that were very hurt and very stunned by these statements that need to be spoken to directly. And I think they deserve it. And especially when these individuals, these voice actors that they look up to, like you look up to them. And it's just very disappointing, those choice of words or what was said, whether it was one day ago or 10 years ago, still they need to go ahead and go out of the way to go ahead and apologize to that community. Yeah, I, I agree. I just thought, you know, you saw my initial post on this. Like I said, I need perspective because I didn't know what to think about it. You know, I can easily say, well, you know, people should be able to say what they want to say, but should they? You know, if you know you're going to get in trouble, that's why I was curious about when the thing was made and yada, yada. So I just, I want to know more. I mean, words can be hurtful. Statements can be hurtful. And if we only, you know, if we are trying to get better as a society, we have to go ahead and try and make ourselves better. And one of those ways is not just through actions, but through words as well and try and be better. That's, that's my opinion. I mean, I've told you before, and I've said this on the air before in regards to what we did with GameSource, I actually put GameSource on the back burner for quite some time after an individual that was working with us put some inappropriate stuff on there over the course of a period of time. And, you know, especially something that was very offensive that I had to give a statement for. As soon as I was made aware of it, in fact, it was one of those things where I saw it on Facebook and I was just like, oh, oh my gosh, how could they have done such a thing? And they had no idea the offensive nature of it. They thought it was something for Nintendo, and it was just something that was a, a meme. It was a it was a meme that was just not exactly what it was what he thought it was. And you know what? I, I just went ahead, made an immediate public apology. But I feel even to this day that it, that is something that you know there still could be those that that harbor ill will towards Game Source, and I could that's totally understandable because we live in a society where actions are better than words. And words also as well can hurt very deep. And in this case, we need to see something come about as far as a positive reinforcement for the LGBTQ community. I really think we need to go ahead and get an apology from those voice actors, ASAP, and also from Funimation for even not addressing this so long ago when those original statements were made. There's more to this than meets the eye. So I'm just, I'm curious what it is and then, if we'll see more, unfortunately, like, you know, like I said before, this has not been making headlines all over the world as the uh, Vic Manola thing is, or really the James Gunn thing at all. So I'm wondering how, like how many people even know about this and how far under the radar it's been going. I think probably because the individuals involved, their voice actors for a, I don't want to say, well, let's just say it, a niche series that's not catering to a mass, huge, large audience you know, it's not a Marvel or it's not a DC or it's not something that people are streaming to. Dragon Ball Z still has a nice, steady audience that goes to their products time and time again. But it's within that realm and within that community that they do need to directly apologize. What are your thoughts out there on the latest Dragon Ball Z controversy? Are you hoping for an apology from the voice actors and also Funimation? Will this affect your future going forward and how you perceive the Dragon Ball Z franchise? Let us know. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace Gaming Wristband. 
Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a VITABRACE gaming wristband or use the code buy one get one and it's buy one get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50 or buy and the number one get and the number one today to get some great deals on some VITABRACE gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. My friend, before we go ahead and, and hit the halfway mark of the show, I want to go ahead and talk about two shows that just arrived to Amazon Netflix. Carnival Row with Orlando Bloom, that just dropped onto the Amazon Prime format. I think a lot of people are talking about it because of the different kind of nature as this detective goes through this mystical world and and just it looks so different, but it is a series that is garnering a lot of attention. Plus, also as well, the return of Dark Crystal, and in this case, it's called the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, brings that vaunted series from so many years ago back to life. That just hit Netflix. I want to hear your thoughts, man. Both of these series delve into a mystic type format it's not something that we see normally with the superheroes and the action and the violence and the and all that stuff this is a kind of a different beat so i want to hear your thoughts the dark crystal age of resistance which brings back many of those great characters from the 80s series from jim henson and then also carnival row a lot of attentions given to both those shows i want to hear your thoughts on whether or not these shows will help bring the magic and mysticism back to life and into a streaming or even possibly a movie format. We've discussed this before, right? Is fantasy disappearing from the TV and movie landscape? And I think the answer is obviously no. Amazon's got Lord of the Rings coming out and they also have Dark Tower and Game of Thrones just ended. So I'm loving this renaissance, you know, and especially with something like Dark Crystal, that is a show that was on what, or a movie made 40 years ago, something 30 years ago, something along those lines. My only concern with it is, is it going to suffer from Blade Runner syndrome? You know, where the the new thing, like I saw the trailer, looks fantastic. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it because I don't know if I can sit there and watch the original Dark Crystal movie without feeling like it's too old and dated for me to, to sit down and, and you know, sit through it. And I know that might be blasphemy to some people who grew up in the age it came out, but I don't know. Where do you stand on this, man? Do you think it's going to suffer like Blade Runner did? Well, it's all, all dependent on whether or not people have a, a fondness for it. I know when it comes to Rob McCallum, Rob McCallum films, he is such a lover of everything Jim Henson and the Dark Crystal is no exception. I know he is already in tune with what's going on with that. I, I know he wanted to go ahead and check that out. Plus, also, when you have Carnival Row, that is something that's different, that's off the beaten path, and something that you've asked for in original programming that could be something that could garner an audience down the line as far as you know, trying to come back for another season or another season or lead to more original fantasy shows that could capture an audience. So I'm hoping that's the case, especially when it comes to Carnival Row. When it comes to The Dark Crystal, you're right. It could be some issue with nostalgia, but also as well, does it bring in a new audience? And I think that's what Netflix is looking for. Is it going to bring a newer, younger audience to the Dark Crystal universe? Take a look more into that. Will it lead to more people wanting to go ahead and check out the original movie that it was based on? That's going to be something that we're going to have to wait and see on. But yes, uh, to me, of the two, I think Carnival Row is the one series that is something that is most intriguing to me because it's something that's new and fresh and it's something I wasn't expecting before. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to touch on that in just a minute, but you know, I think uh, another thing with, with dark crystal is that, is that it all depends on how accessible the original content is, you know, is the movie on Netflix or how hard is it to find? And then I think maybe it could create, you know, if it's something people who own Netflix flicks can already watch for free, then maybe it'll be something that, will get its intrigue. So as for Carnival Row, I'm actually incredibly excited about this because it has the feel of Penny Dreadful, but it also feels like it, it's got, it's not as 
you know, it's got darkness, but it's, it's got magic in it. So it, it just it has a, a different tone to it. And, you know, it's, people can say what they want about Orlando Bloom, but I still think that he's I, I like watching his acting. So does my wife, from what she's told me over the years, but we won't go there. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it has nothing to do with his looks. I just, I think that out of all the personalities in Hollywood, that he is a, a, a very solid actor as far as actors go. But the show itself with Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne, I mean, it just, it looks like it's something that a lot of people, I think, could get interested in. I think it's something that, as with the realm of fantasy, that I, I, I think will be something that could hit on, on, on a good note. And with Amazon, with this show and the boys, which just came out before it, I think they're proving themselves to be something of not necessarily a Netflix killer per se. And I could, because that's really hard to do. And I don't think anyone outside of Disney plus in the near future is going to do that. But as an entity who's making their own niche in the world with CBS all access and Amazon prime, You've got that second tier of streaming services that people always want to go ahead and talk about and possibly even check out. And of course, with the Amazon Prime subscription, it's right there for you as well. Yeah, and also like how long until Amazon Prime and Netflix team up with some kind of special package, much in the way that Disney has teamed up with HBO and, you know, they got Hulu and stuff like that. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes, that's true. And with all the streaming services that are out or coming out, when you talk about Disney+, Plus, when you talk about Amazon Prime, Netflix, CBS All Access, Apple, Google's on the way with doing something. You know, you've, you've got so many others that are out there. Warner Brothers with doing the uh, whole combination of HBO and DC and all that. They're having that love fest. Universal's doing something. I mean, there's so many that's going to be out there. It's mind-boggling by this time, what, three, four years down the line. I can't even believe myself the amount of choices that we will have as consumers. Whether or not they all stick is up to the individuals and the programming that they're going to provide for it. But I like the fact that fantasy is coming back. It's something that, as, as a fan of the Lord of the Rings that I've spoken about so much over the course of the years, I think it's something that is very intriguing to me. And of course, we've talked about at length our anticipation for the Lord of the Rings series that's coming to Amazon Prime that they dished out a ton of cash for. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that will do. But yeah, I think this is starting to see, we're, we're starting to see revival. We're starting to see a, a greater interest in fantasy. I mean, we could go sci-fi, we could go superhero all day long. But when it comes to fantasy, that's something that seems to ebb and flow. And I think right now we're starting to see a small rise in interest in fantasy shows and the uh, the content makers, whether it's networks, whether it's streaming outlets or whether it's movie studios, their sudden interest in going ahead and building upon fantasy properties. I would hope that this would kickstart something. I know Netflix is probably on the lookout for the next Game of Thrones and um yeah, guns, the Dark Tower series, Lord of the Rings. Because what we've seen in recent cinema is that fantasy film franchises and science fiction film franchises don't fare well in theaters anymore. And it, th I think this is actually a good thing as far as the evolution of that type of storytelling goes is because you can take your time, tell your story over a longer format. You can take liberties with it that you couldn't do in the movie theaters. You don't have studio heads and executives telling you what to do to sell T-shirts and action figures and kind of do your own thing. It feels like a, a more pure sense of storytelling. It does. And hopefully we will get that with the Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, and Carnival Row. Both those shows are now available. You want to check out both those seasons available today with Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance on Netflix, and Carnival Row on Amazon Prime. What are your thoughts out there on fantasy now becoming more and more interesting as far as more fantasy shows and fantasy projects coming to life. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanic media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Joker. Not in extensive detail, but the Joker did get reviewed already by a lot of critics, and the reviews for the early part have come in. We're going to talk about how polarizing they are right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. All right, and we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here along with my good friend Josh Peterson. Josh, I know the Joker has always been a touchy subject with you. I know your initial reactions. And again, I've asked you about the Joker before in recent months. And you've been like really hard line. I am not going to watch this film. It looks bad. The trailer looks awful. But the movie itself has already debuted on film festivals. And a lot of critics have already seen it. And the reviews are quite astonishing in their disparity as far as some of the low and some of the high. I mean, IGN and three other outlets on Metacritic, including Total Film, Empire, and The Guardian, all four of those outlets have given it a perfect score, 100 or a 10 in the case of IGN. And when it comes to the low end, my goodness, Time Magazine, Stephanie Zacharek, she reviewed it and said, oh my gosh, I'm going to quote her now. Joaquin Phoenix is acting so hard, you can feel the desperation throbbing in his veins. He leaves you wanting to start him a GoFundMe, so he won't have to pour so much sweat into his job again. That is harsh, and it goes on even further into detail about Todd Phillips, the director of the Hangover films, who is the director of The Joker. She was just unrelenting in her harshness of the film. But then you have so many people like, again... Jim Vevita of IGN, you have Jordan Farley of Total Film, Terry White of Empire, and John Brooks of The Guardian all saying how great it is. I mean, it's an empowering film, one of the best of the year, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is mesmerizing, yada, 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 yada. I mean, that's a big disparity, my friend. <laughs> Can you explain it? I don't know. So I'm, I'm going through some of these. I know IndieWire gave it a C plus. These... Reviews are all over the place. Time gave it a 20. 20 out of 100. IGN, their scores not on Metacritic as of yet, gave it a 10, a masterpiece 10. And then, like I said, there are three other outlets that are listed on Metacritic that gave it a 100 out of 100. So I don't know, man. Those reviews are all over the place, but it looks like it's affecting people dramatically one way or the other. I think it's because people didn't know what to expect from this movie. They didn't, no one really knew what it was. No one knew what they were getting out of it. Obviously we're getting a Joker origin story, but you know, comic book fans going in there expecting it to be like a superhero movie. And you know, you have these art house people going in there expecting it to be a character piece. It sounds like it was all the above, but it wasn't like the, the people going in with certain expectations weren't exactly you know, satisfied with it. Whereas like IGN giving it a 10 and, you know, like I told you before the show started, they never give tens. You know, the first thing they gave uh, last year, 2018, they gave a 10 to God of War. And that was the first thing in like seven years that they've given a 10 to. So it it just, it it feels weird to me. I don't know, like if they're trying to make a statement or maybe they're, this is something they're being paid. I don't want to, I mean, that's conspiracy, I guess, but yeah, man, I I don't know. Like I I just, this, this surprises me. You know, I'm like, I, I still, it's enough to make me want to watch it, but not go to the movie theaters to watch it, if that makes sense. Well, for you, that's a step in the right direction because you, what, six months ago, you were just like, eh, 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 wait, ain't wasting my time with this. So that's at least a step in the right direction. Right. Well, it's like, like I, it's like I said, though, like it's, do we want to see a Joker film without Batman? Does his origin story make him less terrifying of a villain? I don't think so. But it could make them even more terrifying. It depends on the events of the movie and how they're perceived to be. I'm actually intrigued to the point where I may actually go see it, my friend. So we'll see what happens when it comes to the Joker. I mean, so many different polarizing reviews on it. We, I personally, with Josh and I go off a lot of times, 
we go off of what is stated on Metacritic because those are the actual reviews. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes usually goes off by percentage of whatever positive reviews that are out there by critics. These are the actual reviews by the critics themselves when I check off of Metacritic. So if you want to check out what the critics are saying, you could check it out today on Metacritic when you look up the Joker. I mean, they're so polarizing all over the place when it comes to the high reviews and the low reviews when it comes to the Joker. It's just very intriguing how this movie is being played out to audiences and to critics alike. I cannot wait until October 4th comes around to see what kind of reception it gets overall from the fans, from social media. Joaquin's Phoenix, which is now being talked about by many of these critics that are lauding it, that it could be an Oscar-worthy performance. So with that, and that itself is it's kind of strange because you and I both have said that we thought the Joker had been played out because so many actors have played the role. There's really nothing new that you could bring to it. So in order for it to get all these high scores, for Joaquin Phoenix to bring something new to the role and to bring such a high critical reception to the role, except for time, of course, which really just you know, trashed it. But with with these other outlets that are praising him, it sounds to me like, in at least in their opinion, he's been able to bring something new to the role that Heath Ledger had, had brought in his own way. Jack Nicholson had brought in his own way. Jared Leto, I don't think, has actually been given the chance or opportunity to really extend himself as a Joker. But it looks like Joaquin Phoenix at least is given the platform, one way or the other, to prove or not to prove that he could be a worthwhile version of the Joker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, jo- Joaquin Phoenix, is a, is, he's a great actor. You know, He only does films that are able to capture his talent so i would hope that it's i don't don't even want to say hope like i just like i I would hope that if this is the quintessential joker i would hope he would be showing up in form in the dc universe later on i hope so as well i hope he gets the chance to go ahead and play this out as far as maybe another opportunity but they've said this is one off i don't even know how it came to be it went because the idea at the time when they really started the production or really really wanted to get that going was WB was still in the realm of Justice League and they wanted to have this whole tied in DC universe and to have this even get greenlit in the first place seems a little bit out of context, especially the fact that they still want in, in kind of a roundabout way a universe that's tied into each other. But we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with Joaquin Phoenix after the events of Joker. If it becomes a big hit, they might have to go ahead and do something with his character and just say, adios, Jared Leto, but we'll wait and see. But again, it is the Joker. It's getting some very polarizing reviews. It's raising some eyebrows one way or the other when it comes to the Joker and what could be ahead when it comes out October 4th. What are your thoughts out there on the polarizing reviews of the Joker? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Josh. I had a chance to recently go ahead and take a look at the game that just came out on several different platforms, including Xbox One, PS4, and PC, and that is Wreckfest. And I'll tell you what, my friend, my thoughts on it after going ahead and spending some time with it is I know you're a big fan of racing games, especially the Forza series. You've spoken on and on how much you love the Forza series, the in-depth as far as from a simulation mode and things of that nature. Well, I'm not going to tell you Wreckfest matches up with that. I'm not going to tell you Wreckfest has this detailed and, and long and vast campaign of what you need to do, what you need to go through. It does have various events that you need to go through as far as from a campaign. You do go ahead and, and earn awards, you earn parts, you, you build up experience points to go ahead and, and redeem for upgrades for your vehicle. Everything that you know about a racing game that has been done over the course of the past five, ten years, you're not going to see pretty much anything out of the norm from that sense, whether it's the the tuning garage, which I think could have used a little bit more help, but it's still somewhat detailed, you, uh, the the multiplayer, which has some tracks, but could have really used some more tracks. But then again, they want you to probably pay for the DLC that comes out later on. All of this is saying that maybe, hey, it's not that great of a racing game, but you know what? 
I'm saving it best for last because when you actually get out onto the, the actual course, whether it's a demolition derby, whether it's a banger race, which is a race for, for laps around a racetrack, whether it's one of the stunt driving, whether you're out there in a bus, whether you're out there in a lawnmower, whether you're out there in a couch, whether you're out there in a car, the damage modeling is just, that is the, the ticket to why this game is so much fun. It is really, truly a great game when you play it from that context and the actual racing itself or the competition itself is truly a lot of fun. And and I tell you what, if anybody gets a chance and they just love a great time in short bursts, it's really a fun game to play. Okay, two questions for you. One, what is the damage system? You know, you said it was good, but this is, I'm looking at, you know, pictures right now and obviously it's a racetrack, right? So yes, you're doing you, this. your choice, either... It, Depending on the event, it could be a racetrack that you're on going for a number of laps against other competitors, dueling to you know either get ahead, or you're also getting experience points and bonus points for wrecking vehicles as well. Or it could be you're involved in a demolition derby, that type of event, because that happens quite a bit. Because, of course, it's, it's something that relates to wrecking vehicles and whatnot, so why not have a demolition derby? So you go through that a lot of time as well, and that's... That also is a lot of fun, especially from that vantage point. I know there's some camera issues as well when you're trying to drive backwards that it really doesn't follow you as well. I think that's a little bit disappointing. But overall, it's just a lot of fun because the damage modeling is probably as good as I've ever seen in a video game with all the breakaway parts. And In fact, at times when you're in a demolition derby, the parts are just lying all over the place by the dozens and dozens. And it's just a lot of fun where you go ahead and hit cars, where you go ahead and wreck cars, the bonuses that you get from it. And then even trying to go ahead and survive races when you're trying to drive from the pack is truly a lot of fun as well. Okay. My second question is, is there a, like a, a path to progression? Is there, I mean, obviously there's no narrative, but is there like, do they set you up on a path to start the game and finish the game? Or are you just playing random races you pick throughout the menus? Well, it's not an assigned. They do give you options based on your skill level that you have because it is experience points based. I mean, they have uh, some entries that you can go to, whether it's just a straight demolition derby or a banger race that you're eligible for. But as you progress, you get into bigger and better vehicles. You know, like I said, it's not something that's unknown or it's not something that you haven't seen before from that sense. And the progression, the campaign progression as a single player is not something that they've gone ahead and said, you know what, this is something that's original. This is something that's rudimentary. This is something that you've seen before. It has the different class types that you go ahead and evolve into. You go ahead and you earn experience points. You can upgrade your vehicle that makes your vehicle even better, no matter what it is. It could be a bus, could be a motorhome, could be could be a couch, like I said, could be, yeah, that's right, a driving couch also lawnmower could be and, and of course most of the time it's going to be an automobile type vehicle so again the type of things it's out there i mean you're just choosing from a selection of of classes that you can go into and again this is something it's not original in that sense but yes it's it's something that gets you by but the multiplayer to me is really the fun part when you can go ahead whether you make a custom game or you go ahead at one of the many multiplayer options yeah, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued. Do do we have a, a price point? Anything about about that? The game itself, Wreckfest, came out last week. Just came out the 27th of August. It's something that a lot of people are already interested already. And I tell you what, it's something that is a lot of fun to play. I'm going to have a review of it available this week on our popculturecosmos.wordpress site, also as well popculturecosmos.com. The price of it is 39.99 available anywhere on pc and xbox one and it's well worth the value because the fun of the game and just i tell you what in short bursts an hour at a time here an hour at a time there to take your frustrations out in life onto wreck fest just go ahead and crash bang compete out there it's a lot of fun very interesting and the fact that some stunts that you could do whether it's doing jumps crashing into other vehicles or even doing big loop-de-loops is just really a lot of fun. And I cannot say enough good things about it. It's going to get a very solid review from me. And you'll be able to check it out this week on popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And if you have any comments on Wreckfest on how much you're enjoying or not enjoying Wreckfest, 
please share it with us on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts on RegFest as well. Coming up right after the break, we're going to be talking some great things, including our list continues on the top 200 of all time, numbers 151 through 160. And we're going to go back to school with some pop culture when we come back right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played all around the world seven days a week on radio stations worldwide, check out our listings today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You also get a chance to check out many of our over 30 different podcast outlets. And I want to go ahead and give a big shout out as far as our radio stations concerned to Radio Cobleskill 105.9 FM. Cannot thank them enough for being on their station when they play both our show, The Pop Culture Cosmos, and also our other show, The PCC Multiverse, as well. As far as a podcast format, you know what? We're on Spotify, so you got to check us out on Spotify at The Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with your book, which is selling like hotcakes. It's congratulations, you suck. If people haven't heard where to get it, I need to know, man, where can you get congratulations you suck you can pick it up at barnesandnoble.com amazon.com booklocker.com i know there's uh, some a few other used book sales stores across the internet that carry it if you go to your local bookstore and request it that could help me out quite a bit i just got some review copies in so i'll be shipping those out to gerald and a couple other people here soon so hopefully there'll be some new reviews to read but you can check out the ones i got on amazon.com if you have read the book please leave a review on amazon.com i greatly appreciate it and that's, again, congratulations, you suck. It's available on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, the Nook, the Kindle. And if you want to go ahead and walk into your local Barnes & Noble, you could just go right up to them and ask them, hey, can you send over to this store so I can buy it from the store, the latest book by Josh Peterson, congratulations, you suck. He would truly appreciate it. And also just, hey, I know Barnes & Noble, the local store, would appreciate it as well. My friend, before we head on out, a couple things we want to talk about, including a, our countdown continues of the top 200 video games of all time that were voted on by our followers. So I want to start off with 160 to 151 this time. So there's a, a great list that's coming up. 160, you're going to like this one, my friend. It's Sonic the Hedgehog. At 159, Snatcher from the Sega CD on that one. Number 158 is a personal favorite of mine. Smash TV, love Smash TV, Rock and Roll Racing on the SNES, that's number 157. Road Blasters from the Arcades is at 156. And at 155 is Pokemon Red. What are your thoughts on some of the games that you heard and you're listing out there? I know Sonic the Hedgehog, probably the most important to you that I see on this list that I think has the biggest effect on your gaming life. Yeah, so I got uh, Sega Genesis when I was five, and that was the first the first game I got with it. Or two games I got was Sonic and Knuckles and The Lion King. So naturally, after playing Sonic and Knuckles, I wanted to go back and play the other Sonic games. So thus, I got a copy of Sonic the Hedgehog, and you know I have it up in my shelf up here still too. So yeah, Sonic is definitely like it was it was my Mario. You know, as I I never got Nintendo as a kid. I just would go over to people's houses and then. They had Nintendo. If they wanted to play Sega, they come over to my house. So it's kind of a, a cool little uh, equilibrium right there. And you know, you can't deny how influential Sonic is. Just the fact that he out survived his own console like that speaks leagues about you know what kind of popularity the character has. Uh, going down the list here, the only other two I have experience with is I remember playing Road Blasters once with my my uncle, and I didn't like it because I didn't like the running out of gas mechanics. 
So you had to like choose the most direct path to get to your goal because any extra turns would result in, in uh, unnecessary fuel loss. Going down here, Pokemon Red, of course. You know, who hasn't played Pokemon Red or Blue? Every, every kid starts out with either Pokemon Red or Blue. And it was one of those games where uh, it was not what you were expecting, right? It was a fad like that totally took over an entire generation, led to Pokemon cards. It, this created the popularity of what Pokemon is now. And it's kind of what, what would you call it? Baby's first RPG, right? So it's such a simple RPG to play and it's so much fun. It doesn't take you hours to sit there and play it. So, you know, as, as far as games of my generation go, I'd say Pokemon is pretty influential. And for me, like I said, Smash TV, I, you, that game is just a blast to play. I cannot believe I had so much fun back in the day at the arcades playing Smash TV. An offshoot of Robotron. Williams, when they started the twin stick shooter with Robotron, Robotron 2084, and then they evolved into Smash TV with almost kind of like a running man theme going through it as far as through the game show of death, of life and death that you could go through while playing it. But that game was a blast. I couldn't have had more fun on that game if I tried. But yeah, that, that's one of the many games that's there. But continuing our list, of the top 200 video games of all time, 154. Speaking of Pokemon, it's Pokemon Gold. 153 is, you know it as either Another World or Out of This World, and that had a recent 20th anniversary revision, which made the graphics a lot better. That one is at 153. Minecraft. Hmm. A little bit high on the list than what I was thinking, but Minecraft is at 152. You really can't say much more about it because it's so many millions of players still play it today. It's revolutionized the video game industry in so many ways. It's it's just been such a a great opportunity to go ahead and see so many people playing that game for so many years. And in fact, it's it's really spoken out to kids primarily. Whenever I go to the public libraries, the game I still see being played the most is Minecraft. So that's a game that is just really going to always be a part of our history and our culture. It's one of the all-time greats, and that's at number 152. And at number 151 is Super Mario 64, one of the better or even best Mario platforming games ever made. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, on 151 through 154. Some great titles right there as well. All right, so we'll start with Pokemon Gold. This was like the first official sequel to Pokemon, right? So you have you went to Johto after Kanto, if I remember, but you could still go back and beat Kanto afterwards. So this was like it was a, a new game with an expansion of the old game attached to it, which was really cool. And it was the first that had some kind of color to it. You know, remember it was Game Boy Color that came out after that, after the original one? Yeah. I liked it, like the introduction of new Pokemon, like the return to uh, fighting Team Rocket and badges and doing stuff like that, because it didn't have like the, the stuff that made the first ones quirky, right? They didn't have the glitches, couldn't do the infinite rare candy thing. It was just, it was a game. It was fun. I enjoyed it. The introduction of the legendary Pokemon, you know, this was the last one I think I played all the way through because there was yellow was kind of the special edition of red and blue. And then crystal was a special edition of gold and silver. And I, I did play crystal, but yeah. Good games. Minecraft, I, you know, it's going to sound weird. I never really got into it. I know a lot of people who did, and I love what Minecraft has done as far as like creating this whole new generation of gamers. You know, other than that, like, I, I'm not going to take its laurels away. I know what a great game it is. And even if it did lead to things like Fortnite, it still has its place in the, what is it? It's like the one of the top selling games of all time. It is one of the top-selling video games of all time, which kind of leads me to this question. Are you surprised it's so high up on our list of top 200? Because the way that these votes were constructed was people that we know or fans or followers of the show or fans or followers of our social media going ahead and listing out these, these games on a 1 through 10 basis. So it seems like Minecraft was mentioned it was thought of it was but in some context with a few but overall it didn't seem to have a lasting impression with some of our gamers some of our older gamers which is why i say it minecraft in and of itself i think targets to a much younger audience we talked to the collector base we didn't talk to like newer younger gamers well, we did with through our friends at, at Retro City Games. They reached out and, and many of their customers added to this list as well. And maybe, 
maybe that's where a lot of the influence came in. But the game itself, Minecraft, even though it's garnered so much in sales, it's had so many players over the course of its lifetime. A lot of it still remains today as far as maybe a you know a young type of audience. And I'll tell you what, it's something that a lot of people still to this day get a lot of fun of. I've spoken about that at the public library, seeing it still very popular there. And, and I've seen it streamed all over the place. So Minecraft still has its place in history today. And again, it's on our list at number 152. 151, Super Mario 64. I had a lot of fun playing that back in the day on Nintendo 64. And I know a lot of other people did as well. We're going to be talking more about our list of the top 200 video games of all time on our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse. But if you want to check out our listings as we drop a new 10 each and every day, check out our listings today at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. All right, my friend, it's been a great episode. I truly enjoyed talking today about the latest and greatest in pop culture. It's going to be a pretty good week because we have a lot coming up on the horizon and on the PCC Multiverse on Friday. We're going to have a lot to talk about, including Jason Todd Feinberg stopping by the show for a fall horror movie preview. We're going to be talking about It Chapter 2. We're going to be talking about Gears of War 5. We're going to be talking about NBA 2K20. Any thoughts on some of the upcoming stuff that we're going to be talking about over the course of the next couple of weeks? I'm excited to get my hands on Gears. I'm going to play Oninaki next week. So, I mean, we could chat about that as well. But, yeah, gaming season's kicking off. You know, there's some good movies coming out. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about. Them. I'm interested to see where the reviews fall when it comes to Gears of War 5, NBA 2K20. Plus, you've got Borderlands 3, which I know you especially are excited for. A lot of great stuff has started to happen now that we're here in September and a lot of great things are coming this fall to pop culture with video games, movies, television, and so much more. So we're so excited to be a part of it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, before we head on out, though, we're heading back to school. I mean, we're graduates from National University, but I feel like we need to go ahead and start enrolling ourselves in either Cornell or the University of Texas at Austin because... There are two individuals from pop culture which have now signed up as professors when you got Reggie Philam, ex-Nintendo head, now going to be teaching at Cornell University, and Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. He is a professor at University of Texas at Austin. Hook em horns, baby. So I ask you, my friend, does this make you want to go back to school no, it doesn't make me want to go back to school, but it makes me wonder if this is going to create a new interest in school or are people going to go just for the celebrity aspect of it? And also, is being a college professor now the route of retired celebrities? You know, I know a lot of like Chapman University, which is up the street from me, a lot of the professors there were famous directors from the 90s. Same thing with uh, people who went to SC, but their career hadn't yet started before they went to onto movie directing, whereas this is kind of going backwards. You do have that with the University of Southern California. There are a lot of individuals that have a great history in whatever outlet, whether it's news reporting, whether it's journalism, whether it's film, whether it's television, that are in some teaching capacity there at University of Southern California. I am aware of that when you look at the faculty there. But Having Matthew McConaughey, he's not exactly a retired actor. He's still doing a lot of work. So how is he able to go ahead and juggle this? I mean, he might be on the movie set and might be like us that is, you know, using StreamYarding. But again, a lot of these individuals in pop culture that we're now going to start seeing possibly going into a new realm when it comes to university teaching. And you know, these universities, they want to get you in with a hook to get you to come spend the money. So they're going to go ahead and get you these classes that are outside the norm with these different subjects, these different pop culture references, or these individuals from pop culture, which are going to try and bring people in. I know in the case of Matthew McConaughey and Reggie Philam, I think these are individuals that are, are brought there, not only because they're expertise and knowledge, but like you said, with their names, they're going to try and draw people in. Yeah, and they're, they're definitely qualified to be making these choices, but it sounds like in the case of Matthew McConaughey, they're also going to have a lot of subs on staff. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. What do you think out there about pop culture celebrities going ahead and coming back to universities to go ahead and teach or become a professor at? We want to hear your thoughts. Is it enticing you to go back to school 
and seeing what's out there as far as how pop culture subjects and and how pop culture celebrities may go ahead and influence your decision to go back to school. We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. It's been a great show, my friend. I know we've talked about a lot, but we've got a lot coming up later on this week with the PCC Multiverse as well. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, man. I'm excited to talk some gaming coming up here. So, uh, yeah, I think we're good for today. I think we are as well. But again, we just truly appreciate you being part of the show and being part of the pop culture cosmos. All right. All right. All right. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. The PWR Spot Show Podcast is a weekly wrestling podcast on the ESONetwork.com. We only talk about the real stuff. You know, Hulk Hogan and Pile Drivers. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes every Monday. You can also follow us on Twitter at PWR Spot Show and go to PWRSpotShow.xyz. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.